Hi, everyone. Last week, we began a new series on the good news of great joy that the angels proclaimed was coming into the world the night that baby Jesus was born. What did they mean? What was that good news of great joy? Because from where I'm sitting, we've never needed good news of great joy more than right now. Now, last week we talked about what the Bible describes as our ultimate hope as Christians. And Revelation describes this new creation, and, and it's a resurrection of this world as it's married with heaven, and we spend an eternity with God in that new creation. Today, I want to talk about what the Bible says will happen when we die. You know, from the first generation of Christians up until about 150 years or so ago, there was pretty much just one and only one Christian belief in life after death. But today, if you poll Christians about their belief in life after death, you're going to get a bunch of different answers. And, and frankly, not many will look anything like the early Christian belief in life after death. So what was the early Christian teaching about life after death? Well, the earliest faith statement that we have is the Apostles' Creed. And, and we adopted the Apostles' Creed as our faith statement at Hillspring. And the reason being, since it's the oldest, it's the closest teaching that there is that goes back to what the original apostles taught. And they learned directly from Jesus. And the Apostles' Creed has this line, I believe in the resurrection of the body. What does the resurrection of the body mean? Well, there's several places that Paul talks about the resurrection of the body in several of his letters. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 is his most comprehensive teaching, and honestly, it's really too much for us to go through today. I want to look at another passage, uh, and it's from 1 Thessalonians. And just footnote that, though. The, the major body of teaching in the New Testament is 1 Corinthians 15, and I, I really suggest if you want to know more about this you need to read 1 Corinthians 15. But for now, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 13 through 18, Paul writes, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died, so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. For this, we declare to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself, with a cry of command, with the archangel's call, and with the sound of God's trumpet, we will descend from heaven, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up in the clouds together with them, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, I love what N.T. Wright says about this passage. He, he wrote, how do you describe the color blue to a blind person? If someone's never been able to see, how can you even convey the idea of color, let alone the difference between colors? See, we have to realize this is something that we aren't going to be able to fully comprehend until we experience it one day ourselves. 
And, and ultimately, we have to have faith that God has this under control and God's going to take care of us. But I want to kind of look at what Paul's saying. It's absolutely beautiful. Paul starts with one of the most basic, basic, earliest Christian teachings, that Jesus died and rose again. And then he says the most interesting thing. I mean, in a nutshell, he says, Jesus' death and resurrection is not just about something that happened to Jesus in the past. Resurrection describes what's going to happen to those who belong to Jesus. His followers. Me and you. And Paul says those who have gone before us and those who will come after us, we will all rise again just as Jesus rose again. Because through Jesus' resurrection, he conquered the grave. Now, this resurrection of the body, I mean, this is ultimately why Jesus conquered death. Jesus went through death, and and he came out the other side to usher in a new creation. Now, the Jewish tradition, they they looked forward to a resurrection well before Jesus. And, And this was a resurrection for all of Israel. Before Jesus was resurrected, this is what they taught. Jesus' resurrection is is a little bit different than what the Jews taught. Jesus experienced resurrection first so that we might experience resurrection. He became a new creation so we might experience the new creation that we talked about last week. The resurrection of the body. This is our hope. The resurrection of the body. This is good news of of great joy. Death does not have the last word. And you can hear Paul as a pastor here. You know, he's saying to this people in this church at Thessalonica that their loved ones are with God right now. God's taking care of them. They're resting with God. But he took it even further and he said, the story's not over here. I mean, life after death, being with God, is not the ultimate hope of those who are in Christ. There's even more to come. He says the ultimate hope is that Jesus will come again, and when he appears, so will your loved ones who have gone to be with God. We're all going to be together in a new creation with new bodies. Now, how do you explain that? Well, honestly, you can't. So Paul uses these images and these word pictures because, like N.T. Wright says, it's like conveying the difference between red and yellow to a blind person. I mean, how do you explain the difference between red and yellow to someone who's never seen it? I mean, maybe you say, well, you know, red's a hard color and yellow is a sharp color. So red's like a brick wall or a rock, where yellow is like a a needle or a knife. I mean, that's not sufficient. It's a good effort. But the reality is you have to see the difference to really get it. But the main thing Paul's saying is that the Christians who are still alive, when that great day comes, they're going to meet those who have gone before. I love this. And then he paints this picture, and there again, he uses images. 
He says that the Lord will come down from heaven accompanied by these various dramatic signs, and the dead will rise, and those who are left behind will be drawn up to meet the Lord in the air, and we'll all be caught up in the clouds together, and with them we'll meet the Lord. So we'll be with the Lord forever. You know, these two verses are the basis of the belief of the rapture. And the rapture is a word that's not found in the Bible. But I've been seeing it a lot on Facebook in the last couple of weeks. And I think this is really worth taking a rabbit hole. Because the rapture describes Christians just getting snatched up and everybody else being left behind. And, and with that, they're teaching that our hope is to be taken away, removed from this creation. That's the exact opposite what the resurrection teaches. Our hope is in a resurrected creation. Our hope is heaven coming down to earth, the two merging, that it becomes on earth as it is in heaven. And like I said, there's a lot of misunderstanding on this, especially the more you read Paul, because he's describing this new creation just like Jesus was after his resurrection. All of creation will experience what Jesus experienced when he rose from the dead. And this is our hope. Not in leaving creation is the point, but in a resurrection of this creation. It's a very different thing. And Paul, he was trying to describe the moment those who have already gone on to be with God and those who are on this side of eternity when they meet. And that will be on the day that Christ comes again. As Revelation describes, when the new Jerusalem comes down to earth and the heavens and earth, they marry, they merge, and it becomes one reality. So in 1 Thessalonians, in Paul, he, he's being a theologian, but he's also being a pastor. He's trying to comfort those who are grieving a loss. And he's making it clear that those who have died, they're with God. Right now, they're with God. And we will all be reunited on this day of resurrection. And together we'll experience a new creation when heaven and earth merge as one. That's our hope. And I think it's so important for us to hear right now. You know, this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. He was killed a little over 50 years ago for holding up a mirror to our nation for forcing us to deal with the issue of racism. And as we remember him, as we honor him, and we celebrate his prophetic work, you know, a little over a week ago, the United States flag in our capital was taken down and replaced with Confederate flag. Not for long, but even for a bit. I mean, 50 years after Martin Luther King Jr., the Confederate flag was flying in our capital. One of the men that they just arrested a little bit ago who was there, he was wearing a sweatshirt that read Auschwitz Hotel. I'm sure they weren't all neo-Nazis and white supremacists, but they were there. We need hope. You know, I'm grieving. And we all are. 
grieving the last couple weeks, grieving the last year. We need hope. And we have hope. The resurrection, it says our hope, it's not being taken away from God's creation. It's that God's going to renew this creation. God's going to set it right. God is going to resurrect this creation. And it's going to be on earth as it is in heaven. They'll come together. There's going to be a day when God is going to put all wrongs to right. When all grief is going to turn to joy. There's going to be a day when all suffering ceases. A day when we are all going to be with God in this new creation. And it's only possible because of Jesus' resurrection. Now, I want you to hear what Paul does not say. He doesn't say that because Jesus was resurrected, that we go directly to heaven when we all die so we can all hang out in the clouds for all eternity. Paul says Jesus' resurrection began a new creation. It's not finished, obviously. But he initiated it. And when he returns, those who have already died, those who are still alive, they're going to be given new bodies to serve God in this new creation, to celebrate God, to worship God for eternity. But in the interim, when we die, we are going to be with God. Jesus looked at the thief on the cross and he said, today you'll be with me. But that's not the end of the story. I mean, it's just like Jesus' resurrection. The Bible says when we experience resurrection, we're going to be the same, but we're going to be different. I want you to hear how John describes Jesus when he meets with the disciples after his resurrection from John 20. It says, when it was evening on the first day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood behind, among them and said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And then John said, when he said this, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they're retained. I think it's really important to break that down. Did you notice it took a while for them to realize that it was Jesus? I mean, he appeared. He spoke. He said, peace be with you. Shalom Elohim. And then he showed him his hands and his side. And then they rejoiced. Because he was the same, but he was different. And it took him a while to get it, to realize it was him. Jesus came to earth. He went through death and he came out the other side to God's realm. That's where he is now. But Paul is saying the story is not over. The story is still happening. I mean, ultimately, Jesus will lead us to another existence entirely when God's home and our home merge and they're married together for eternity. Biblically, our hope is not that we're going to go to heaven immediately when we die and we're going to stay there for all eternity. To be clear, we're going to be with God. 
But this is just part of the story. It's not the full picture, the full good news of great joy that God has in store. Because our ultimate hope is that Jesus will lead us into this new creation. Because in Jesus' resurrection, God's new creation began. And as Easter people, the same future awaits us. The Bible teaches we will experience a resurrection just like Jesus did. We'll be given a new life and, and a new body and we'll be a new creation. When Jesus appeared to the disciples in that locked room in John 20, John makes, he takes a lot of time to, to give us a lot of detail. And he, he wants to make a point, and he even comes back to it in case we missed it. First, he says this was the first day of the week when Jesus appeared. Why? Because he's going back to the beginning of Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, the first creation, and he's saying this new creation is happening on this first day of the week. Then after Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit into them, He's reminding of us of Genesis. When God created Adam, Adam is just the word for human in Hebrew. But it was, there's a word play here that we miss because uh, God took this Adama, which is in Hebrew, the word for kind of earth or dirt or clay. And, and he kind of formed it into a little person, but it wasn't, human. It wasn't alive until God breathed his breath. The word in Hebrew for breath is the same as the word for spirit. Into his lungs, the Adamah, the dirt, became Adam, human, a living, breathing person, because God breathed into them. In Jesus' resurrection, this new creation occurs, and we get new life. Jesus' followers, right now, we're living in between these times. Under the rule of King Jesus, on this side of eternity, we have a job to do. We are to be foretaste of this new creation for this world, on this side of eternity. N.T. Wright says, we are both beneficiaries and agents of this new creation. The resurrection, the power that was launched on Easter, it's to transform our lives so that this world is transformed. I love, there again in John, there's a story that happens before that meeting of Jesus and the disciples. And it's Jesus meeting someone else. He, he meets this woman who is deeply hurting. And he offers her living water. But he didn't just offer it to her, if you read the story. He said that she is going to be a vessel of living water, out of which others are going to experience living water. See, our lives are supposed to be like that. By virtue of our, the water of our baptism, it's our call to live out our lives so that we wash the dirt and the dust of the old creation away with this living water of Christ. And we live as resurrection people, citizens of Jesus' kingdom, this side of eternity, this side of the resurrection. So what would that look like for you right now in your world? 
in your neighborhood, in your family. I want to give you a commission for the week. What would it look, I mean, how would things be different? If your mission this week was to live out Jesus' prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if we took that as our mission in all of our relationships and all of our interactions to live out that prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you would do that, our world would change. But it would just be a foretaste of what the Bible teaches as our real hope in that resurrection to come. Our world needs hope. And we have that hope. Are people seeing it? Are they experiencing it? And is our hope becoming the hope of the world? Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for hope in the midst of a very bleak season. Just as winter gives way to spring, to summer, we ask that this season might be invaded, transformed, that the hope that Paul described not only becomes our hope, but that others experience that hope as we become vessels full of the living water, washing away the old creation. And that through our lives, through your Spirit's work, this next week might look a little bit more on earth as it does in heaven. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.